You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned afterward for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hey, hey, welcome back. And again, I want to welcome Mosaic South, who is watching with us this service at 11 o'clock. Again, Mosaic South, if you're watching, so great. You are watching, that is. Uh, so proud of you. Today is a one-year anniversary. We already celebrated you. We want to give you just one more moment of celebration. Can we give them a hand clap? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thrilled. Thrilled to have you and love you you're part of us. We are you. We are one another. All right. We're in a series called Living Out of a Living Hope. We're looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians. And no matter who you are, I want to tell you, you could not have picked a better Sunday to be at Mosaic Church. And I think you'll see why before we're through. Here's our scripture reading. It's going to be from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'll spend two weeks on this one passage. So let's pick pick up where we left off last week. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And that's the reading of God's eternal, timeless, and holy word. All his people today said, come on, amen, amen. Here's a great question, I think, at least for all of us, no matter if you're a Christian or not, uh, no matter if you're a skeptic or not, if you're a person perhaps for whom not all your questions have been answered with regard to faith or God or or church or you got more questions than you do answers, no, no matter who you are, here is my question for you and for us today. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Now, that may seem like a really obvious, maybe, you know, way too easy question to answer. But the reason I ask this question is because that word, gospel, is just a word that you, we hear a lot in Christian circles. Do we not? Yeah. If you were here two weeks ago, you heard Pastor Rosalind right on this stage to give an amazing update about the trip she took and led to Cape Town, South Africa. Our team there went into schools and universities, and she used this word, gospel, over and over again. She said, we preached the gospel. We shared the gospel. She said people believed the gospel. So what is that? If people preach it, if people share it, if people believe it, what is it? Now, depending on how you were raised or your exposure to churches or Christians, that word might, it might mean a lot of different things to you. Like when you hear the word gospel. It might, you know, bring up a whole range of emotions. It might bring a sense of gratitude or of joy, or it might bring a little bit of a shudder or a little bit of an internal pushback, depending on how it was shared, depending on how it was preached, depending on how you thought you were supposed 
to believe. So what is it? Well, you should know, if you didn't, that that word, gospel, is a translation of a really important Bible word. It appears more than a hundred times in the Christian scriptures. And the word gospel is a translation, you may know this, for the Greek word euangelion. Euangelion. You as in good, angelion as in message or herald or literally good news. Good news in English, we sort of amalgamated it. We turned it into gospel. That's short for good spiel. Good spiel, like a good story. Like, that's a good spiel you had. Good story. That's where our word gospel comes from. So what is that? What is the good story, the good news? Well, every single time it's mentioned in the Christian scriptures, it means this. And I'm about to preach this to you real good. So get ready. All right. It means this, that God so loved this world that he sent himself through his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish. That means to live without God for an eternity, but to have eternal life instead. That means to be able to know God right here and right now. And God had to do that because Christians believe we cannot save ourselves, that no amount of goodness can earn you the love of God, nor can any amount of badness keep you from receiving the love of God. That's some good news. And to prove that, Jesus of Nazareth lived the life we should have lived. He died the death. You, we should have died, but was raised back to life. He was resurrected by the power of God in order to forgive our sins and evils and injustices, not just, though, the ones against us, but the ones we have, if we're honest, committed against others. Jesus came to overcome, in other words, not just the evil out there, yes, but also the evil in here, and to defeat the real supernatural powers that exist and afflict us and influence us, and to one day, he's promised to rescue us from death and through death to bring us to be with him for forever, which means death is not the end. The good news is also that Jesus has a new kind of life now in a community. Now he's introduced into the world now. He called it his kingdom. And it exists where he is honored as king. And not only that, through Christ's death and resurrection, God has promised to even remake the world and to save creation itself. I think that's some really good news. That is the gospel. And that's what Jesus meant and the writers of the New Testament meant when they said, when they spoke, when they wrote, when they used the word gospel every single time. And one writer even went so far as to say, if you believe another gospel, if you believe another story, if you believe the good news means anything else, you stand condemned before God. That's how strongly they felt about it and why they used that phrase gospel good news that way every single time every single time that is but one but one because here out of all places in first thessalonians we find there is another gospel another gospel there's this one time i got your attention now didn't i yeah one place where one writer of a new testament knowing full well what he was doing picked up the phrase gospel picked up the term good news used on purpose the word you on Gelion and applied it in a specific radical even shocking sense right here first Thessalonians 3 Paul the apostle who had planted this church 
in Thessalonica, but had been forced to leave it. Now he writes this. He says, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought, there it is, good news. Good news. See, Paul had sent his protege Timothy to see them. Then Timothy had come back to Paul and reported on the Thessalonians. And now Paul writes them back. Paul says, Timothy has come back and brought you on Gelion. Gospel. Good news. And he said this. It's about your faith and your love. See, Paul's saying there's not only the good news of Jesus, but there's the good news, in a way, of the Thessalonians. Paul, it's like Paul was saying, Thessalonians. Oh, when Timothy came back and told us you were standing firm in your faith, he was like, I got saved all over again. When I heard about you, it made me feel like I had been born again, again. It was like I believed in Jesus for the first time, for the second time. Church of Thessalonica, I may have preached my gospel to you, but now you have preached your gospel to me. I'm trying to get across a little bit of the shock value here. Yeah, you can read the commentators and theologians for yourself. They can't get over how stunning it is that Paul, knowing full well what he's doing, used this phrase about something other than the cross and the resurrection and about what Jesus has done for us through those things. And now, perhaps, perhaps, you can understand why, a few verses later, why Paul asks this question. He asks, how can we thank God Enough for you. I mean, isn't that the right question to ask of someone who has shared the gospel with you? Hmm? I mean, I'm so glad. I hope you are. Someone glad that someone shared the gospel with me, a traveling evangelist on the University of Houston campus, can do, came through and shared Jesus with me in a fresh way. It changed my life. How can I thank God enough for him? See, that's the question you ask when someone shares something life-changing with you. And that's why Paul asks what he asks right here. So the question I think we should now ask in response to Paul's question, maybe you're already asking this, you've gone there in your head, is this, why was hearing the good news of the Thessalonians like hearing the gospel of Jesus? Hmm? Why was hearing the good news, the gospel of the Thessalonians, like hearing the gospel of Jesus? Paul says there were two reasons. Two reasons he felt that way. He says it was because of their faith and love. Their faith and love. Two reasons, faith and love. He said it was a Thessalonians' faith and love that made him feel like he had heard the gospel again. Why these two? Why, number one, faith? Why faith? All right. For those of you who, perhaps like me, you have children, many children, yes, we have. You know, kids, if you have children, you know, kids are like an experiment because you just don't know how they're going to turn out. A friend of mine named Steve Merle, uh, he wrote a book on parenting. Here's the title, great title. He called it, My First, Second, and Third Attempts <laughs> at Parenting. Now, he's talking about, and of course, joking a little bit about his three children. His, he's got three sons. He says his children were his first, second, and third attempts at parenting. And of course, he's getting at the idea that you aren't intending to experiment on your kids, but in a way you just can't help it because like a true experiment, when a living creature enters the laboratory of your home, you just don't know how it's always gonna turn out. And because, and because you don't know how it's gonna go, sure, when one or more of your kids rises to the occasion, uh, when what you have taught them becomes their own, there is perhaps no greater joy. 
Karen, I have a daughter who, like many other children in the public school system today, is under daily assault for her faith. Uh, she recently talked with Carrie and me about a video she had seen in which the speaker, this guy was mocking Christians and trying to tear down the Christian faith and right back at him. As a high school student, she recognized not only his mocking tone, but also the untruths and the not quite thought through statements the guy was making. And while she was kind, she just undid the whole thing. I did the whole argument, super perceptive of her. And then two days later at school, uh, when one of her classmates was mocking Christians and the Christian faith, and he turned to her and asked her if and where she went to church, she said, yes. She said, Dad, I told him that I, go to, I went to Mosaic, but she said, I had a struggle getting the words out. She said, it's not because it was hard for me to say it. She said, but because only saying I go to Mosaic doesn't feel right. She said, I don't just go here. She says, this church is a part of me. What stood out was her faith in Jesus and her faith a little bit in mom and dad. And that's pretty great. And when I heard about her faith, man, my heart wanted to jump out of my chest. Why? Because like all children, she's an experiment. <laughs> While God may know, you don't how they're going to turn out. And for sure, hear me, like every child, she's going to have to choose to follow Jesus into adulthood and perhaps into marriage and perhaps into parenting and hopefully into old age. No child is perfect. Ours aren't. No family is. Results may vary, by the way, and are not guaranteed no matter who you are or what you do. But you should know. You should know that students and researchers of the first century church, they actually use a fascinating term to describe this church in Thessalonica. Repeatedly, they refer to it as Paul's experiment. Paul's experiment for two reasons. One, it was only the second church he'd ever planted. In other words, it was his second attempt at parenting. And two, he had to leave so soon after planting it. Would his children pick up his value system? His faith, and the answer is, he found out, Yes, and it felt so good. It was like he got the gospel, preached the good news, preached to him over again. But, but it wasn't just their faith, he said. It was their love, their love as well. And, you know, unlike other letters of Paul's, you can read these. You know, when Paul pleads for the Christians to get along, he didn't have to here. The Thessalonians loved each other. And they loved the world around them, the city around them, so much, even when the city around them didn't love them. They loved the city so much that it got word back to Paul. And honestly, in my opinion, this is, I think, one of our defining characteristics at Mosaic, if I can have the liberty to say so, which I'm doing right now, which means I do have it. This is a defining characteristic. I think about how most of us maybe feel about what we're a part of, and I know how I feel about being a part of this with you. So let me try to describe, a la Paul, how I feel about my love for you and for us, just for a moment. Now here's a sad but true statement to start what I'm about to say. There are many pastors who do not like to go to the church they lead. Now in the first service, we had a retired pastor here. He said amen to that. <laughs> They only go there because sometimes because it's just their job. And obviously, that's not good, but I'm glad I'm saying this because I'm glad it's not the case with Carrie and me. The truth is, I can't wait. She knows this. I can't wait to see you on Sundays. I love coming here, especially on the first Sunday in November with time change, you know, Sunday. It does help. I'm not going to lie. But I wish, I wish I could do everything here. I wish I could 
teach children's ministry and open up the Bible and share those stories and those scriptures and watch the kids' hearts and eyes come to light and to life. I wish I could serve coffee here with Pastor Brett and our team at the coffee bar and make everybody feel good by giving you free addictive hot beverages. Oh, yes. Matter of fact, I've noticed they're so addicting. I know they're addicting because sometimes you can't even wait through the whole service to go get it. You just get up at the end of worship and I see you and you go out there. And they see you, and you try to get another cup, even though it's closed down, and you give them the eye, and they give you the eye, and you're like, hey, it's service, you know, and you come back. But, like, man, the chai is just good. I can't help myself, you know. I wish I could greet and smile and hug everybody at the door to get Mr. Grumpy Guy even to smile at me on the way in, not talking about you, talking about somebody else. Of course, I wish I could serve on an usher team and make people's experience great here. I wish I could do <laughs> student ministry, youth ministry, and Play foosball all the time, man, and go to camp and eat pizza and drink the orange soda till my insides were radioactive with the preservatives. You know, I love Sunday. I love coming here. I love our worship team. And you should know I used to be on the worship team here once upon a time and play the bass here until they found somebody better and kicked me off the team. But I'm not, you know, not salty about that at all. It's cool. I'm good. It's great. And I love this church, us, and I hope, I think you do too. And if I weren't the lead pastor here, even knowing all I know, actually, especially knowing all I know, I'd go here. I'd go here. And I'd get to be on like every service team and get to know everybody. And so often I go home on Sundays and when I go home, sure, my body's a little more tired than when I got here, but my heart is way more full than when I got here. Why? Because of our love, your love, our, I experience the gospel, lowercase g, gospel of mosaic. Again, and sometimes it's so incredible. I just want everybody to experience it. And Paul, in the same way, wanted everybody he knew to experience it, what the Thessalonians had, which is why he closes this section of his letter, not just with words alone or writings, but with a prayer. He starts to pray right here in chapter 3. He stops his writing and he starts praying and he says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. He says, May your love, that's a Greek word, agape, not philo like friendship love, not eros like romantic love, not storge like family love, but may your sacrificial agape love. May that love increase. Why? Not just for you. Oh, no, no. But for those around you. And may, the, may the city come to know that you are there. May the way you love sacrificially everybody else, the community, your neighbors, may they know that. May you sacrificially love them. And may that love overflow into the streets. Why? It's because when the community around us, when the city around us, when our neighbors around us, experience that overflow of sacrificial, Christ-shaped and centered love. It's like we preach the gospel to them all over again. See, the gospel of Jesus can come through the good news of the church of Jesus, the Mosaic church. In a way, again, the good news of Mosaic can, can point to the uppercase G gospel of Christ. So how, how could that happen? How could Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians become a reality for and through us? How can we let our love overflow into the city? I've got an idea today, and here 
it is. What if one time a year we could collectively pool our resources and give in a way that impacted an organization in our community in an unforgettable way? What if we gave to something outside the scope of our local church so generously, maybe it even changed the course of another ministry or organization? What if we raised so much money for something else that over time we did better than the federal government? <laughs> See, we're going to have to low bar, okay. And created jobs for people maybe he, who even work in nonprofits. What if we lived big for one day and just gave it away? Yeah, because that's what today is. It is the first Sunday in November, Live Big Sunday at Mosaic. If we did that, wouldn't that be amazing? Your answer is yes. Wouldn't that be fun? Your answer is yes. Wouldn't that feel good? Your answer is yes. Wouldn't that put hope in your heart? The answer is yes. And so today, this morning, I want to do just that. I'm going to raise as much money as we can today for an organization called Street Youth Ministry, Street Youth Ministry, or SYM. SYM was founded, if you haven't heard of it, back in 2008 by a local businessman named Terry Cole, who saw all the homeless young adults in Austin, and especially in central Austin, and wanted to do something about it. SYM is a faith-based, Christ-centered ministry. They help homeless youth with uh, <laughs> practical services like food and clothing, counseling, basic life skills like life training, financial preparation, school and job prep. This organization sits at the intersection of a number of things that Mosaic is passionate about. The unhoused community, which is, of course, is significant in our city. And by the way, there's no looking away from that. There's not. There's only engaging in and trying to be a part of the solution. It addresses also in its own way the foster care system. It's quite a number of unhoused young adults are those who have aged out of the foster care system, have nowhere to go, and don't know what to do through no fault of their own. As a result, a number of these young women perhaps become pregnant, and they do, with high-risk pregnancies. And quite a bit of this takes place around Central Austin in the UT campus area and affects the area there. I was a campus missionary at UT Austin for nine years, many years before leading Mosaic, and I can't tell you about all the heartbreak of the many, many face-to-face -face encounters I had with people in positions like Taylor's. Here is Taylor's story. Taylor was given up for adoption at age five. True story. Adoption at age five, grew up in the foster home, but ran away at age 17. She joined a carnival, started using drugs, got pregnant, lost custody of her baby to CPS, and wound up on the streets. Her downward spiral slowed, though, the day she became connected with SYM and learned how to find stability and sobriety and, most of all, hope. Now she's housed and rebuilding her life. She's even reconnected with her birth family. That's amazing. She said this, quote, I'm learning how to save money, how to pay my rent, how to do everything I should already know. But if it weren't for street youth ministry, I would be lost. Thank you for helping me. They serve roughly 1,000 young adults. They run on a bit of a shoestring budget, but they figure out how to make it work. They serve those who have nowhere to go, don't know what to do, where to turn next. They serve them with the hope and the love of Jesus. They're reputable, and we have vetted them as much as we possibly can. And though, of course, we can't do everything that we would like to for an organization like this, we can give them a day that they won't forget and make a permanent difference in the lives of those in crisis because street youth ministry has no idea we're doing this. 
They don't know this is coming. And honestly, if there is one reason I hope God grows this church and one reason why I am so grateful that God has grown us, it's for this. It's to grow so much we are able to give away so much and show our city that Jesus is the light of the world, that he loves them, and that the city is better when the church of Jesus is there. So, so here's what I'm asking you to do today. We have around 1,000 or so adults at Mosaic between our three services north, one service south, and some folks online. With kids and youth, we're roughly 1,500 people. But if every adult gave, and here's your price today of what to give, and by the way, you'll be happy to know there's been no inflation on this. It's great. If every adult gave, come on, you know how much? $39.95. Yes, we could raise $40,000 in one day. I mean, can you believe the price? It's like the only thing in America that hadn't gotten more expensive. All right. This, if you don't know, is our 10-year anniversary of doing Live Big. Yeah, we've been doing this for a decade. Our first year, we asked for 10, raised 15. We've grown it year by year by year, even through COVID. Into last year, when we raised almost $90,000, $88,000 we raised last year in one day. And over the last 10 years, through Live Big, we've given collectively a total of almost a half a million dollars, $500,000, to pregnancy centers, to foster care, to disaster relief, to people coming out of jail who do need jobs, to immigrants, educators, and each year we have raised more and more and more and just blown them away because, again, they don't know this is coming. We just call them up this week and ask them if we can swing by and bring them a little check <laughs> and make their day. Now, at this point, some of you, you may be able to give more, and that's great. You should. <laughs> you should. Some of you can only give less, and that's okay, too. There's no guilt. Again, I know that if you could you would in the past, maybe you have, and in the future, I hope you will. So this is way less about a money goal. This is way more about a participation goal. Today, everybody, everybody participates. Here's what I'm not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to go home and pray about it. I'm not. Christians are pretty good at that, aren't they? I'll go home and pray about it. There's actually not going to be a prayer today. We're not going to pray for this. I guess you could pray how many zeros you'd like to add to the end of $39.95, one or, one or two. I'm asking you to give at least $39.95 an adult towards this. If you're here, but your spouse isn't, go ahead and give for them. They'll thank you for it. If you're single and believing for a spouse, go ahead and give for them. So that seed of faith, that's right. I had somebody come up for the first service, like I gave for me, my husband, my child, my child's spouse, future spouse, and my grandkids one day. I'm like, that's pretty good, all right. You say WW, you know, DRT. What would Dave Ramsey think? Listen, I spoke with Dave on the way in today. He was good with this. So he told me to tell you, you can give in one of three ways. Number one, you can give via text message right now. Right now. Yeah, you can text the amount of this number, any amount, plus live big. Text it to 843 that's the first way to give. Second, we can all, we'll also have several people with card readers out in the lobby today. Third, you can give, both of you who want to do this, cash or check, can be given in the giving boxes to the double doors on your way out. All right? Text message, card readers, cash or check. So that's what I'd like for you to do today, even if you are a first-time guest. Yes, even if you're someone's friend. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not a Christian and you've walked in today. You're just in town. You're someone's mom or dad or parent or 
somebody's cousin from upstate New York or downstate Louisiana. I mean, if you give, here's the point. You're not giving to a church. You're giving through a church. And for those of you who walk in now and you're like, golly, I knew it. Man, churches are all about money. Man, they just want my money here today. Your worst fears are all confirmed because it's true. I want as much money as we can get out of you, as we can give together today to make a collective impact on a part of a city that's underfunded. And next year, of course, I want to do it again and again and again. And I want us to be known not just for our theology, which we take very seriously, but more for our generosity. I don't want us to be known just for what we're against. Everybody's got to be against stuff, but more what we're for. And so here's our promise. Not one penny of this stays here. There's no administrative fee, no shipping and handling, no tax, no overhead. This all just goes straight to them. You say, but Morgan, I already gave. Good. You can give again. You say, but there are other needs out there. There sure are. Yeah. But you can give to this one. You say, Morgan, like I run a nonprofit or I work for a nonprofit. Great. I run a nonprofit too. I can think of about 30 things I could use all of this for us here about, but this isn't about that. This is about allowing our love to overflow out there. You say, well, Morgan, I'll catch the next one. Not to be too dark about it, but you might not get a next one. I'm just saying. All right. And second of all, this is the next one. You said you were going to catch when you said you were going to catch the next one last time. This is your moment to do something great. You say, Morgan, well, you know, I already gave to the kids' fundraiser, and I, and I bought the chocolate bars, and, and I bought the Girl Scout cookies at Target. Great. Two things. Don't eat it all at once. <laughs> and give to this. <laughs> On top of that, you say, Morgan, well, I'm actually more passionate about giving to... Stop that. This, this isn't about that. This isn't about being passionate about your thing, although I'm glad you are. This is about being passionate about 1 Thessalonians 3, about being passionate about allowing our love to overflow into the city. Listen, God made it rain on us last week. Let's make it rain on somebody else today and this week. All right, let's live big. Because when someone asks you, go home, someone asks you, what would you do in church today? You can say, I live big. Because when you live big, you mean you're just giving it away. Left and right. We allowed, you can say, we allowed our love to overflow into the city and the good news of Mosaic to come to them. Now, I can't even tell you how excited I am about this. We're going to come back next week with a total and I hope a little video of how it went and how we blew their minds uh, with this and show it to you. So if I, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet here and we're going to get ready to dismiss so fast. This isn't normally how we do this, but you can feel the oxygen mask come out of our ceiling. Planes making an emergency landing. No music. No, no, nothing like that. I'm going to say the shortest prayer ever and then we're going to run the play. Quarterback handing you the ball. You know where to go. You know what to do. Smartphone lobby giving boxes. Y'all ready? Here we go. Lord, would you help us today, right now, to allow our love to overflow and for us to live big together and bless the city. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Go give. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.